Hello and welcome to today's Flyers Talk podcast. I'm Taryn Hatcher filling in as host today for Jordan Hall, who needs to take care of life, which is, you know, Jordan works literally nonstop. So we give him this morning to do whatever he has to do. And I'm joined by Joe Fordyce, uh, the wonderful producer of Flyers pre-postgame live and intermission live. Joe, the Flyers coming off of a huge, huge uh, 2-1 shootout loss against Tampa Bay. And I still say huge because Flyers were able to hang with Tampa despite a second period full of disarray. And Tampa, as we know, is an incredibly talented hockey team with a great goaltender between the pipes. And for what it's worth, the Flyers were were able to hang with them without even, you know, with having a 20-minute a true at least 20 minute dip in play. Yeah. And, and I think if you look at that game last night, Tampa had what they wanted going. They had Braden point buzzing. They had Steven Stamkos buzzing. They had Victor Hedman all over the ice. They had all the ingredients of games when they dominate teams going, but they didn't dominate the flyers, as you said. And that, that, that can only be taken as a good sign um, Carter Hart played played great. Um, that's not an offense that is easy to keep down. And, you know, the Flyers and Carter were able to do that reasonably well. And, you know, it was it was an impressive effort, I thought. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, is when you give up a goal as late in the game as they did, I think it was just over two minutes to play when the, when Tampa goes ahead two to one. That's such a deflating goal to give up at that point in the game last year hands down they would have folded now last year they probably wouldn't have been in that spot in the first place because they probably would have been down a few goals but um for them to answer right away and have Giroud tie the game I thought that was the number one thing that stood out to me was this resiliency because two minutes left I mean when you give up that goal you have to feel like okay this game's over we lost but they didn't do that they they came out, they were they got right after it, and Giroux ties the game, sends it to overtime, and then of course they lose in a shootout, which I mean when you're going against Andre Vasilevsky in a shootout, um I, it's actually off it's actually off putting watching him um on those breakaways because he, he's so calm when he makes the saves that it almost looks like he's not even paying attention. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough prospect to ask when you're going to have Point and Stamkos shoot and Vasilevsky be the goaltender. It's kind of like, okay, what what do I what can I do to win this game with uh, when you're, you know, when that's what's in front of you. But um, I thought it was a good sign to get to overtime to get a point and to really hang like you mentioned with that team for the entire game. I, I thought that was impressive. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I think the other part, and, and we didn't get into this in post game, and I kind of regretted it because I didn't think of it before we started to do post game. 
It's the first time the Flyers have scored three goals in a game in a while, and it's against one of the best goaltenders in the league. It's against one of the best teams in terms of being kind of stingy. To, I, I have to look again at what their goals allowed per game actually is. But you look at their games, they're not a team that, that goes into these games and has a track meet. That's just not how Tampa plays. So you don't expect to score three, four, five, six goals against them. Um, and the other thing that stood out to me, and I have no stats to back this up. This is just us watching and talking about it in the newsroom and, and how I've kind of watched things play out last year versus this year was it feels like when the Flyers score in these spurts recently, when they stop, they stop for the rest of the game. Like they would get their first two period goals and that would be it. And they would lose track of the offense and they, they wouldn't get it back or they'd get it back, but they couldn't finish. And for them to have that early, that early burst, the two goals in the first period play quite poorly in the second period and then allow a really deflating goal and still be able to find offense after all of that was was nice to see because as you pointed out that kind of emotional mental roller coaster of a game used to really get to the flyers last year and the wheels would fall off it would go from being let's say Clojure doesn't score the game time goal it would go from being a 3-2 loss where you go wow they really battle against Tampa to usually kind of the wheels falling off and it be becoming a 4-2 5-2 loss where they let in some garbage time goals and something happens and whatever and the other thing that that I, I it's not interesting it's it's more like we saw it last year and it's nice to see it again is that Claude Giroux, for whatever anybody wants to say about whether he deserves the C or he's not this or he is that or whatever, Claude Giroux last year was the only guy who it in the last two minutes of the game seemed to find a way to will them to a win. And he did it again. Well, he did it to a point last night to get them to the tie. And it just goes to show what a specific and unique kind of talent closure has when that desperation time sets in to do something about it. And Al said it before the game. He goes, this is a game where you need either a Sean or you need a Claude to come in and help win you this game. You don't win the game. You don't get a point out of the game. If one of those two guys isn't on the stat sheet with, you know, some, some tallies in the goals and assists column, and lo and behold, it's it's G who gets them there. It's it's nice to see. I, I know we talk about whether it's the contract year thing or it's this thing or it's whatever. I know the top, every all the lines look different. He shuffled a lot of stuff, whatever. But those guys we saw start the season on the top line, TK, Clojure, and Sean Couturier, those are the guys you want to see starting to wake up in these games a little bit more because they've gone a little quiet lately. And, and that just cannot happen if the Flyers want to win games. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, the Giroux discussion, because, you know, in my lifetime, the, the captain of the Flyers, except for maybe Eric Desjardins, who took over in the fallout of the Eric Lindros saga, the captain of the Flyers always is in the crosshairs of the fans and, and sort of certain media members and and you know I, I feel like we had we had a little 
thing in the offseason where it was, you know, is is Giroux going to be the captain? And it was it was fabricated. I don't believe the team ever thought about making a change. But there was some rumbling within, you know, the, the people that write blogs and sort of, uh, you know, Twitter happy uh, posts about Giroux potentially not being the captain anymore. I don't – from what we know, the team never considered anything like that. But all Giroux has done this year is come out and shown that he is the leader of this team, um, perhaps more so than he has in the last two or three years. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, he's scoring the big, the big goals, the goals at the big moments of the games. He's making the big plays. He's continuing to run their power play. And he's doing all the things that a captain uh, should do in this league. And, you know, it is a contract year, but I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of buzz around the contract year talk. A lot of times when guys are having big contract years, you hear a lot of talk about it being a contract year. I don't, I, I don't think that that's what this is about. Um, I, I just think, I think their offseason additions have, have breathed new life into the guys that were on this team for the past couple of years that maybe felt the atmosphere kind of getting stale and they were in those games last year as you mentioned where stuff snowballs at the end and a game that they played tight ends up being a three goal spread on the, uh, the final score because yeah. the end of the game falls they apart pulled the goalie and then they put carter back in and then he let in a leaky one yeah and it's it's five two instead of a three three tie yeah 100%. yeah i i mean i think that i i think that stuff is not happening and again i you know, I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the Flyers probably aren't in the spot to give up a goal against Tampa with two minutes left that would have potentially lost them a game because they probably wouldn't have been in a game where they were tied with Tampa with two minutes left in the third period. That's just not not the way this team played last year. Um, they didn't they didn't play low scoring games last year, and this year, obviously, you mentioned. They hadn't scored three goals in a number of games, and their last three wins were all by 2-1 scores uh, before last night. So, you know, this is – I think this is all part of establishing a new identity for this team. The last time um, the Flyers scored three goals in a game was against Arizona on November 2nd, and Arizona's Arizona. So, And I would, al I would also point out that if, if you remember that game, that was one of the worst played games of the year oh, by the Flyers. Oh, it was horrible. It was, like, it, it was one of those games where you go, well, the positive thing is the Flyers can win a game playing bad. That was kind yeah. of the point from that and game. that was about it in terms of the yeah. positive. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's all part of establishing a new identity. And, you know, Quite frankly, the Flyers haven't gotten to establish the full new identity because they haven't been playing as a healthy team. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? One, uh, one game where they've had Hayes and Ellis even playing. Yeah. Right? Am I missing? Yeah, two. it was last weekend. Two. Was it two? No, Ellis didn't play in the second game. You're right. Right. So it was the Dallas games, the only game that both of those guys played. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, you can establish ide an identity. And, and to their credit, there's no one after the game leaning on we're missing Kevin, we're missing Ryan. We're, you know, nobody's bringing up that. They're still concerned with 
establishing the new identity. This is our team. We can persevere through injuries. And, you know, I, I, I'm i impressed with how it's been going and, you know, their ability to play in these close games with teams like Tampa and got teams that everyone expects are going to be there in the playoffs, late in the playoffs. Um, it's impressive to see. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing, the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing and deck needs. Head in to Great Railing. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, Joe, we have another game to talk about because we haven't talked about the Calgary uh, win as well, which was felt like a nice little bit of vengeance for the Flyers. Um, I thought it was a little bit poetic in that their their scoring issues and some of their struggles started in Calgary and that loss when they were on their Western Canada swing and then they come back and they're able to beat them in overtime. But before we even get to that, I do want to talk about um, the Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis of it all. So we found out Ryan Ellis will miss at least four to six weeks. Um, it sounds like they're still talking to doctors about how they're, he's going to go to rehab and, I believe it, it's a hip groin based on something AB said in a press conference at one point. Um, that being said, sometimes he'll kind of mention something and then say, I think it's that. And then it's a little unclear. So we're assuming it's a hip groin um, or we're not assuming it's anything, but based on what AB said, it might be a hip groin. That's what I'll say. Um, it's what you have to do with these lower body injury and yeah, the hockey I, like, information is not so, plentiful. This is why we don't even really start to try to touch it on pre and post game live is because it becomes such a, like a finicky area of, you know, it's, it, it's not really that it's an abdominal core issue or it's this or it's that. Or it's whatever. So, um, and then Kevin Hayes. So here's the interesting thing about Kevin Hayes is Kevin Hayes practiced on what was yesterday, Thursday. He practiced on Wednesday. We saw him in practice. He looked like he had looked. I mean, he didn't look like speedy chasing, chasing down Travis Konechny, but to be fair, normally doesn't look like that. Um, 
and I then mean, he did the shoot with us afterwards. So yeah, we did the shoot with him and Keith Yandel, which if you guys want some feel good content, go watch that. It's hilarious. The two of them, I can't thank them enough. That was like the funniest 20 minutes of my life. Um, and I believe, I believe he briefly came out for morning skate. I was, I was writing part of the show and I thought I saw him out there for a little while. I, the morning skate was so optional. I think there were like three people there yesterday. But I thought I saw him out there skating for a little bit. Could be wrong. Could be mistaken because it was like I was entering the, the arena as he was coming off. And I thought it was Kevin Hayes. Um, and then really close to game time, he was a late, late scratch. And they recalled Max Willman on emergency conditions. Um, and... The whole thing is a little concerning, Joe, because they're both dealing with, from my understanding, kind of like a similar issue here. And those issues nag, like they linger. And when we talk to Scott about specifically Hayes's injury, which we know more about, we know what it is. We know he got surgery on it and all that. Scott told us like he's dealt with that before and it took a full season of him playing after it healed of him playing on it to like kind of feel somewhat normal again. And then his season after that is when he really felt like he was back. So it's a, it's a little bit scary here, Joe. Yeah. And you know, the information is, I mean, what AV said last night after the game was very limited, but one thing stuck out to me, the 48 to 72 hour comment about I was just going to say it's it screams like waiting for test results and sort of bracing for this bad news and not to be overly negative but they don't provide us with a lot of information so it's kind of hard not to think about negative I mean it's kind of hard not to I mean nobody hears that and says Oh, well, he'll be fine in 48 hours. No one says that because why would it be 48 to 72 hours? I mean, so that puts, I mean, that almost guarantees he's not going to play on um, Saturday. So, yeah. uh, and, you know, you just got the feeling from the, like the demeanor that AV had when he was asked about it was not positive. I, I will say this though. This is the one place where I push back and I can be wrong and I'll, you know, I, I'm just, I play devil's advocate with this with AV. When AV doesn't know something, when he doesn't want to speak on something, or he really genuinely doesn't have all the information, he gets a little bit like shut down defensively. And then it, people have like big reactions to his demeanor. And my experiences with him is like, let's say Carter went off the ice and he genuinely didn't know why Carter went off the ice. Like he could have been dehydrated at practice and he doesn't know yet, and we go, what happened with Carter? He gets real cagey, and people are like, oh, no, why is he so cagey? This must be bad. And, like, Derek Broussard, Carter was a bad example. Derek Broussard the other day went off the ice with dehydration. Um, and if A.V. didn't know, if he, like, went straight up to talk to us and hadn't talked to Jimmy about what was going on with Derek, he would have been very cagey about what happened with Derek, even though it was not – it was just dehydration. Um I do think that that is something to like, I don't like to evaluate AV's body language as much as like, you know, we talk about Carter's all the time in post game and how different he looks this year, whatever. I think Carter's a little bit more transparent 
AV like genuinely, and I it's it's come up, and I don't want to get into all of this, but it's come up when like he used to talk about big issues that are not hockey issues, i.e., when in the bubble when they were going to shut down games um, out of respect to the whole Black Lives Matter movement, or during um, when he's asked about the Blackhawks investigation, and people get upset at his reaction to things and you're totally valid to feel how you feel about seeing his response. That's not what I'm here to say, but I've noticed that if he feels like he's not, doesn't have the right thing to say in that moment, he cages up. And I think it's just, if he does it with injuries, he does it with social topics. He does it with defending his players. Like he cages up. So demeanor wise, I've always found that kind of interesting about Elaine Vino. Um, I do want to go back to the Calgary game on a different note. Kevin did score in that game, second game back. And Al said it all fair. Even if Kevin's not playing right this season and he's a once every third game type of contributor, you lose a contribution once every third game. And when the Flyers are playing games this close, you can't afford to lose any contributions. They keep, they continue to play games within one goal of the other team, whether it's a win or a loss, they seem to play right around right now that one goal area and it's you you lose you lose your emotional leader in terms of Kevin and and you lose a guy who can get a pass and you know hit a shot rebounds and make the shot and that's the that's the game tying goal it's a big loss it's a it's literally a big loss it's physically a large loss for the Philadelphia Flyers yeah, and I, I would say this too. There's been a lot of talk, and we've heard Al and Scott mentioned it to us, you know, in the newsroom during games. This early part of the season, you know, the guys that are in their 30s, they all look great. But here's the problem as the games wear on, these veterans that have a lot of games under their belt, they start to get worn down. Some of them experience injuries. And I'm talking about guys like Broussard and Thompson. And the guy, the Flyers' depth is already being challenged. So let's take Derek Broussard, who's had a better start to the season than probably anybody could have anticipated. And let's fast forward that to January. Now, we know they have a long break in February during the Olympics, which should help, you know, guys that don't go play in the Olympics. But I don't think we can count on these guys playing at the level they're at now or that they have been since the middle of October when the season started all season, because veterans, you know, they have issues that the guys in their thirties, that they're, they're going to have more issues than a guy that's 21. They're just going to. So, you know, the flyers haven't experienced any of that. They're having issues with Ellis and Hayes. And, you know, you had mentioned, um, the possibility of Ellis maybe being a hip injury. I'm not an expert, but I don't, I know hips don't get better by playing hockey. And that is concerning to me with, in terms of the Ellis injury, because to me, the fact, I don't know that it's a hip. I just know that AV said, I think it's in the hip groin area. So it could be abdominal. It, it could be a number of things. Um, and none of those get better by playing hockey. That's for sure. No, but I mean, Kevin's dealing with uh, that's, I, I don't know if that's what he's dealing with right now. We literally, I mean, I little, little tidbit of inside information that I got last night. Um, 
Kevin didn't want to, to do the Keith Yandel piece or really have it run unless he was playing. That was something that he said to us. He was really excited to do it, but he just wanted to make sure that he was fully back. He didn't want to put kind of the carriage before the horse in this situation and like be the personality guy who's not playing, which I respected. And then he didn't play last night. And I went upstairs and I talked to Flyers PR because we run the piece. We didn't know he wasn't going to play. I mean, he didn't show up in warmups. That was the first time we knew he wasn't playing. And I went up after the pregame show and talked to one of the Flyers PR guys. And I said, you know, tell Kevin if he's upset that we ran it, like our apologies, but we didn't know, like AV gave us no indication, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, he's not upset, whatever. None of us knew that he wasn't playing until like hours before warmups, like, like just a few hours before warmups. And I was like, oh, and they said, yes. So, and they only told us that because they, you know, I, I felt bad because I know he had been pretty transparent about wanting to be contributing to the team hockey wise before he contributes to the team as like the funny guy. Um, and that was the word I got was that it was genuinely a very late scratch. So I don't really know what he's dealing with, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if, if it continues to be Nick Sealer, who we've said over and over again, has just done a great job not being, noticed in a bad way most nights um it'll be interesting to see if cam york gets a call up here if i mean to be totally transparent if keith yandel struggles the way he struggled at times during games um it, it there's a lot of interesting things to look at here but on your note of the the older guys and the con the conditioning and the injuries and stuff Something from the post-game show stuck with me last night that Jonesy said. I asked him about why are they so bad in the second period? Like, why? Because it used to be they got slow starts. And that was, I think it ended up people kind of coming to a consensus that it's sort of like, if you're not ready to start the game, it's usually like a character thing. It's an internal thing. It's, you don't, you don't care from the puck drop. That's a, that's an internal thing. When you when you play a good when you have a good start to the game but you don't play sit well in the second period, Josie said it concerns me that it's a conditioning thing that these guys run out of legs and and then it becomes desperation urgency time and you can get your legs back but you can't play for a twenty minute chunk in the middle of the game it's probably conditioning and that concerns me because if you have conditioning issues and you have quite a few players that are around that that. 30 to 34 year age mark and you already have some injuries conditioning problems and injury issues sometimes go hand in hand that also concerns me a little bit but i don't want to put the carriage before the horse in that situation either because for now it's ryan ellis and kevin hayes hopefully that's all it will be which is already a huge blow let's talk about calgary um Flyers beat the Flames 2-1 in overtime. Ken Atkinson finally scores a goal again. Kevin Hayes gets his first goal of the season, points up to the up to the heavens, up to Jimmy. Um, and I think everybody had like a little, a little tear in their eye in the Wells Fargo Center when that happened. What was the biggest thing you took away from that Calgary game, Joe? So I'm gonna go back to something that that Scott talked about both in intermission and in the postgame show, um, the, the Flyers sticking up for each other, I think is part of the identity that I brought up earlier in this podcast. I mean, 
the Flames were uh, Matthew Kachuk. These guys were taking runs at Carter Hart at every stop. They were annoying to watch. Like annoying to watch. And it's a typical Daryl Sutter team. They're after you nonstop, and they're doing like little annoying stuff. And Matthew Kachuk's the perfect player to play for Daryl Sutter, a guy that's going to stir it up. He's going to take late pokes at the goaltender. He's going to hit guys. He's going to punch guys in the face when the ref's not looking and the whole deal. And, you know, maybe it was the fact that Rick Tockett was honored before the game, but the Flyers were right there for all of it. And, and Homer, one and two. And, and Homer, yeah, both guys. Both two. guys, they were maybe honoring the two new members of the Flyers Hall of Fame and, and, and sticking up for their teammates. Whatever made it happen – that stuck out to me in the game. It was like, no, you're not going to do this. And every time they did it, there were three or four flyers there to give them the business. And, you know, I'm not going to say last year's team didn't stick up for each other, but I don't think it was glaring like it was in that game the other night. I don't think that, it was – I don't think it was like – for lack of a better word, I don't think it was they stood up for each other in kind of like a powerful – heavy strong-armed way the way that they did like there was there was chippiness like last year there was almost like it's like a petty pettiness kind of sticking up for each other like you know kind of shoving somebody and you know yapping back and forth and back and forth you're starting to see like Sanheim and Ristolainen and physically shove someone six feet away from Carter Hart and it has a different I think it has a different kind of impact then, you know, Joel Farabee kind of like two-hand shoving somebody and being like, oh, you want to start something? You know, whatever. No disrespect to Joel, but you look at who yeah, He's not looking to get in fights. Yeah, well, Joel actually might. <laughs> Joel's not Except those random ones where you're like, what, Farabee's yeah, fighting? Like, like against like Alexiak where it's, you know, yeah. you're like, Joel, what are you doing? Yeah, but, you're um, like, just turtle now. Get out of this fight. Yeah, it's and I think to, to be fair as well, the, the guys that the Flyers brought in – we've talked about a lot are respected guys across the league. And I think them getting in your face with the resume they carry is a little bit different than Nick Obey-Cubell or Phil Myers getting in your face. No disrespect to either of them. And it's like, it just, it has a different vibe. Like last year, like I said, it was almost um, like petty back and forth. And this year it's not. It's like if you would really like to start something, let's dance. And if you don't, get away from my goaltender. And and uh, Chuck got got like absolutely hammered a few times by the Flyers. And it was like, no, if you're gonna if you're gonna or when Lewis like um kind of checked Carter's mitt, I think, and I think it was a little unintentional, but it didn't matter. Like you're you're getting rammed into the boards as hard as possible. Everybody's getting in your face. You're gonna get a few punches in there. And it has a different kind of impact on the game, which is nice to see because the Flyers just it seemed like they couldn't find it last year, even if they wanted to. Like they just didn't have the raw materials to do it. Right. And so and late in the second period, we ISOed that shit the shift of Zach McEwen with Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like AV or someone on the bench said, okay, you go out and you pester this guy. Yeah. If he wants to fight, you fight him and get him off the ice. Yeah, yeah it takes and a run McEw- at him. Right, and McEwen was on top of him legally, didn't take a penalty for an entire shift, 
was all over him doing what Matthew Kachuk does to guys normally. And at the end of the shift, Kachuk wanted nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was it was an interesting look because the roles are usually reversed there. And if you're the Flyers, you're going to trade the the McEwen Kachuk anytime for a if it's a five minute major for a a fight or whatever the case may be. I mean, you're going to take that every time. So it was almost like they had had enough of his annex, and they put McEwen on the ice and just said, "You go after him, and however it ends, it ends." But don't. Make sure if you're going off the ice, you're taking him with you. Yeah. And Kachuk wanted nothing to do with it. And, and, and you know, those kind of things, they 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 build chemistry within your, in your team. And I thought that that was a good chemistry-building win against Calgary, in addition to the fact that it was a low-scoring game that they were able to pull out against a really good team, at least one that's shown itself to be a really good team early in the season. Um, and a team that, quite frankly, had um, – just blistered the Flyers in one of the worst games of the year, which was a back-to-back. We know, we know that. Actually, no, that wasn't a back-to-back. It was the, yeah, third, no. the third of that Western Canada swing, but three games and four nights, and the Flyers really, I mean, quite frankly, just didn't show up for that game in Calgary. And, uh, yeah, it was good to see them bounce back against them. Uh, I want to talk about Zach McEwen a little bit more in just a moment, but first I have to tell you guys, there's so much to explore in Valley Forge in Montgomery County, PA. Montgomery County is composed of charming towns and main streets, each with its own personality, style, and vibe. Whether you're looking to get away with family or enjoy a special trip with friends, leave behind the stress of planning and use our guide to find some of the amazing things to do. Explore which town and main street suits you best or visit them all. Visit makeitmainstreet.com to plan your getaway today. Uh, I know we talked about Nickel Bay Cubell getting picked up off of waivers by Colorado last podcast. I don't think we talked enough about Zach McEwen, though, kind of in conjunction with that. Zach McEwen, for being kind of like a right before the season started, probably going to need an extra body, Kevin Hayes isn't available now, pickup, has been a very pleasant surprise to me. His motor is super high. He's, his motor reminds me of Tyler Pitlick, but his game doesn't. He's got the physicality that you wanted to see from Nick Obey-Cubell, but I feel like we don't see the penalties. And he'll fight, and he'll actually fight someone in situations where, I mean, exactly like we were talking about with Calgary. I mean, he started when there was, clearly there was a shift that we put on Intermission Live, I want to say, where McHugh was just taking runs at Kachuk because Kachuk was taking runs at everyone, including Carter, and got away with it cleanly, A, and B, it gave the Flyers something that they hadn't really had where it's like, if you want to do this, that's okay. But then you will have to deal with this. And this guy will, will drop gloves and beat the crap out of you, or he'll beat the crap out of you into the boards. And he's doing it in a way where the Flyers aren't stuck on the PK over and over and over again, or taking offensive zone penalties that you hate to see. He's kind of doing it in a more, veteran savvy kind of way, I would say, Joe. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because when a guy like him gets put in the lineup and, and you, you do worry about the discipline factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this with Nick Obey Cubell when he, when he first came up with the flyers, 
there was some. And distance. then in the middle of when he was up with the Flyers, and, and at yeah. the end of his tenure at the Flyers, right. and in crucial moments in games where yeah. he just goes off the ice with a penalty, and it leads directly to a goal. I haven't seen that from McEwen yet, and that is a, a good sign. And quite frankly, it's a, I mean, it's a little bit surprising because that's really like the number one aspect of his game is to go out there and sort of be a tone setter while not contributing really on the score sheet. I mean, no one's expecting him to fill out a stat sheet, um, but you notice him every time he's on the ice. And I think it was Scott Hart, Scott that said that during one of the games mm-hmm. that he really likes the way McEwen plays because he doesn't – like there, there aren't any shifts off. He's out there on a mission every single time his skates hit the ice. And, you know, you can't really ask for more from a fourth-line player than to be a tone setter and to do it with discipline and not end up putting – you know, give, making the team shorthanded. And, you know, it's it's exactly what the Flyers need at this point, quite frankly. I mean, you know, they they like to have their, their guy. They like to have Kevin Hayes as part of their forward group, but they're dealing with some injuries. So they have a guy that can go in there and, and set a tone. And when a guy, like we mentioned, Matthew Kachuk or anyone else is running around and causing issues – McEwen's going to let that person know and that team know that that he's going to be there every time he's on the ice. And this is this is like a this is a like a a very me specific thing that I noticed, but I think it's why the two remind why I always in the motor sense, like I said before, McEwen reminds me of Pitlick. Every time McEwen skates, that number seventeen on the back of his jersey is like flapping behind him because he is efforting so hard the way Tyler Pitlick's would. And it's such a dumb thing to notice, but you notice when guys are skating as fast as they can, as hard as they can, they're vigorously skating that those numbers start flapping. And it is every single shift with him. He is trying to either pester the crap out of someone, or he's trying to hem someone in their own zone. And that's something that the Flyers needed on the fourth line. We saw how much they missed that type of high-effort guy on the fourth line last year. We talked about how much of a loss Tyler Pitlick was going to be, like a sneaky loss, and he was. And I think you get a little bit of the effort level, the energy level, where the other team doesn't get to come out and the energy level dips. They come out and it's – Nate Thompson and it's Pat McEwen and at one night it was Oscar Lindblom which I don't love on the fourth line but like there's a there's skill component there you want they make the fourth line harder to play against whereas last year there were real moments where hey and there were some games where the Flyers fourth line was their best line AV will be will, t- will be the first person he to loved, say that but AV usually loves because the, the fourth other, line <laughs> because it's usually because the other three lines are playing really bad though I like now that the top three lines can play well and the fourth line comes out and can be really hard to play against. And I think Zach McEwen's a big part of that. All right, quickly, as we wrap this podcast here, Bruins tomorrow, another tough game for the Flyers, but obviously they beat up on the Bruins to start the season. Joe, what are you expecting tomorrow night? So I'm curious to see if they're gonna, if Martin Jones is going to play this game. Because if you remember, that was Martin Jones' first Good start first for start. the Flyers. Yeah. And – he stood tall against a, you know, and, and and I had mentioned it on a previous podcast. When the Bruins throw out there their perfection line with their top pair of McAvoy and Grizzly on the power play, 
that's two defensemen that are perfectly capable of capable of running a power play on their own, plus those three forwards. It is terrifying, and he stood tall during that first game. And I wonder if you don't try to recapture some of that magic and just go back to the well because – as we've seen in the past, I mean, we saw it with Brian Elliott. He had certain teams where he just had their number. And uh, I'm not saying by any he means like that the, Martin like Jones. The Capitals. Like, he, right. like Brian Elliott was very good against the Capitals. Yeah, he had crazy – it's weird how that works. And I'm not saying by any means that Martin Jones has the Bruins number because of one game. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying – do they try to go back to that well, back to that formula that worked so well for them the first time they played the Boston Bruins? Um, but um, I think what this Boston team, I think they may be starting to show some age a little bit. They're not that team that they were maybe two years ago. Now, don't get me wrong. Pasternak's still there. Bergeron's still there. Marchand's still there. We were talking about Matthew Kachuk earlier. Marchand more skilled version of Matthew Kachuk, maybe less size and less ability to actually do something physically about the altercations um, as Kachuk. But, I mean, Charlie McAvoy has turned into a superstar, and, you know, that he got paid like one before the season. So that's, you know, they're still a very formidable team. I just don't notice them being the, the big bad Bruins that kind of ruined – or in part ruined the Flyers' season last year. Um, but always, be, anytime the Flyers and the Bruins play, and it's this mix of Bruins players, definitely beware, because any game they could all go off at the same time. So the two things that scare me were the Flyers scored six goals in that game, and they're not scoring six goals right now. It's a 6-3 game, so they need to score more goals than they were scoring. Um the, and the other thing that scares me is you, and you mentioned Marchand is he has that annoyance factor, like you said, of, of Chuck, but he also, I forget who said this, but was talking about Marchand and was like, I hate playing against him because he's slippery. Like if you try to play that heavy game, if you try to play that game where you physically punish him for what he tries to do to you, he ends up dipping out of hits and he's now he's off with the play and you feel dumb. Um, but We'll see. The Flyers won that game 6-3 back in October. Um, I'm I'm with you. I'm very curious to see if they put Martin Jones back in. He He's 3-1. and one. I mean, that game in Dallas really felt like a mess for the entire team. I, I don't think he played great in that game. I don't think he played bad, and I think he has played great prior to that game so far this season. So I think this, actually, if Martin Jones goes, will be a big test of – all right, the Flyers have been home all week. They had a day off today. They're not even practicing today, so they had a full day off today to recover. Can they really compete with the Bruins? You've mentioned the age thing. At some point, that's gotta that's gotta catch up to them. Like this team seems like they're like Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused. Like everybody else gets older, and that line seems to stay the same. Yeah. Age. Like Patrice Bergeron, at some point, it's like okay, he's. Yeah, it seems like he's been in the league twenty years. Yeah, no, it does, and and I think he almost has. <laughs> like it's not. Well, I know he was wrong. on the team. I know he was on the team that won the the won the Stanley Cup, and uh, also on that team was Mark Recchi. And Mark Recchi, it seems like it was forever ago that he played in this league. Let me see. I have it in front of me right now. Da, 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 da. 
Patrice Bergeron. 36. And he's been in the league since 2003, 2004. So <laughs> we're looking at almost 20 years. So there you go. Um, yeah, but I think on that note, that'll do it. We've gone for 43 minutes, Joe. Just a little Friday Flyers chat. Uh, thank you for listening to Flyers Talk Podcast presented by Great Railing. Please rate and review, but only review like five. Give us five stars. Leave nice reviews. If you don't like us, then maybe just stay subscribed and don't listen. I don't know. But uh, and stay tuned. Joe and I will be with you tomorrow at 630 for Flyers pregame live. We have a half hour show before the Flyers take on the Bruins at the Wells Fargo Center. So if you're not headed to South Philly to watch the game, watch it with us. We, we're going to have some fun. Hopefully our teleprompter works. It didn't work yesterday. Neither did any of our playback videos. So if pre-game Other than that, we were fine, though. <laughs> and pregame looked a little different yesterday. Just so you know, behind the scenes, everything was falling apart. But thankfully, we have such good coworkers and we have a good team over there. So we were able to get it on air. And I hope tomorrow it'll be a little less eventful, Joe. But thank you for uh, coming on and doing some flyer talking.